to The People Scientist, the podcast dedicated to helping us optimize our health with the latest scientific findings on nutrition, health, and medicine. I, your host, Dr. Stephanie Caligiuri, will be here with you every single week, bringing us information to ignite our thinking to help us be one step closer to the healthiest we can be. and welcome back to the People Scientist Podcast. This week we are doing episode number 23. I can't believe that I've recorded 23 episodes already. So we are nearly half a year into this podcast and I'm pretty stoked for that. And if you are tuning in for the first time or are a relatively new listener, here is a few second recap on who I am and what to expect here. My name is Stephanie and I'm a nutritionist, physiologist, and neuroscientist at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. And I say those titles because they reflect my degrees and years of experience. I created this podcast so that every week I can arm us with some scientific knowledge so that we can lead the healthy lives that we want to live. So I have essentially coined us and you, my audience, the People Scientist Army. My goal is to make a smarter nation so we can make the right decisions for ourselves. So if we do a brief summary of the topics that we've covered in the past 23 episodes, we have covered topics such as brain hacking our way out of food addiction, to CRISPR gene editing, to plant-based diets, lipid peroxidation and heart disease, and skincare, and hopefully topics that are interesting to all of you and are applicable to all of you as well. So with that being said, let's jump into today's episode. This week, I am covering our body's natural detoxifying phase two enzymes and the potential health benefits of cruciferous vegetables, and in particular, the bioactive molecule found in cruciferous vegetables called sulforaphane. I remember learning about this molecule back in my undergraduate degree in a course that was called the Functional Foods Course. And in today's episode, I'm going to tell you all about what foods this molecule sulforaphane can be found in and what health effects sulforaphane has. For example, does it have any effects on cancer, inflammation, diabetes, or heart disease? So let's start off with some core takeaways. molecule sulforaphane is particularly found in a certain type of vegetable called cruciferous vegetables or brassica vegetables. Now these vegetables include, for example, broccoli, broccoli sprouts, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, kale, and radishes. Now cruciferous vegetables, and in particular the molecule sulforaphane, has been investigated for its ability to potently stimulate our natural detoxification system in our body called the phase one and phase two enzymes. And therefore, because it can enhance or stimulate our natural detoxification system, cruciferous vegetables and sulforaphane have been investigated for their anti-cancer, antioxidant, and anti-inflammatory effects. For example, large case control observational trials conclude that in people who eat cruciferous vegetables, they tend to have a lower risk for developing certain types of cancer versus those who eat the least amount or no cruciferous vegetables. Animal studies do indeed show strong anti-cancer effects with sulforaphane or cruciferous vegetables. However, when we look at clinical intervention studies, for example, when broccoli sprouts have been given to individuals with recurrent prostate cancer, the results are more mixed or, or very limited. 
But besides cancer, if we look at other patient populations, for example, in individuals that are living with type 2 diabetes, broccoli sprouts, which happen to be a very rich source of sulforaphane, does seem to have some benefit. For example, this patient population has seen benefits in blood glucose levels and in reducing inflammation and oxidative stress. So now let's jump into those details. Cruciferous or brassica vegetables include, for example, broccoli, broccoli sprouts, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, cauliflower, kale, and radishes, for example. And they do contain high concentrations of the glucosinolates that can be hydrolyzed by the plant enzyme myrosinase, or it can be metabolized via the intestinal microflora or the bacteria in our gut in order to produce those isothiocyanates. Now, isothiocyanates such as sulforaphane are potent inducers of the cell-protecting enzymes and inhibitors of cancer growth. Pioneers in this area of research have put great emphasis on broccoli seeds or broccoli sprouts in particular, as they appear to be the richest source of sulforaphane out of all the cruciferous vegetables. Vermoulin in 2008 concluded that eating raw broccoli results in faster absorption, higher bioavailability, and higher peak plasma amounts of sulforaphane compared to cooked broccoli. Now, blending, mashing, or chewing thoroughly the raw broccoli or cruciferous vegetables in general appears to increase the availability of the healthful compounds in the body. And that is because myrosinase can be activated upon physical breakdown of the vegetables itself in order to convert the glucosinolates into sulforaphane. So what does the evidence say about cruciferous vegetables in detoxifying our body? Well, in 2001, Talei and Fei reported that isothiocyanates, such as sulforaphane, are potent inducers of phase two proteins. Now, let me take a step back and give you all a brief lesson on our body's natural detoxification system. There are many systems by which our body eliminates harmful compounds. And one such system utilizes two sets of enzymes called phase one and phase two enzymes. Often phase one enzymes include cytochrome P450 enzymes that for example, will add oxygen molecules to drugs that we've consumed, you know, such as Tylenol or aspirin, or phase one enzymes can also add oxygen to potentially harmful compounds that we've come into contact with in order for these molecules to be more easily eliminated from the body. But phase one enzymes haven't completed their job. And in fact, phase one enzymes may also happen to activate some of these molecules, making them more active. So phase two is really important and needs to come into play. So phase two enzymes are really gaining attention because it is these enzymes, such as transferase enzymes, that add large anionic groups to the harmful compounds in order to render them inactive and more easily removable from the body. In essence, if we have an active detoxification process, the body can eliminate harmful compounds more efficiently. It is thought that some of the molecules in cruciferous vegetables have a hormetic effect. I find the concept of hormesis in nutrition really intriguing. Now, hormesis means that our body has a beneficial response to a low amount of stress or low amount of what our body thinks could be harmful, meaning that the glucosinolates in cruciferous vegetables are thought to potentially act as the plant's natural defensive system against pests and insects. 
And when we eat these vegetables and expose ourselves to the low levels present in the vegetables, does not harm us, but actually could have a beneficial effect on our body by inducing our detoxification phase two enzymes. Now, this is important because a substantial amount of evidence supports that phase two enzymes, and when we induce them or turn these enzymes on, it is a highly effective strategy for reducing our susceptibility to cancer-causing molecules. Now, this is supported by studies in mice in which the specific transcription factor NRF2, which is essential for induction of phase two proteins, was deleted. Now, in these knockout mice, the basal level of phase two enzymes is very low and not inducible, not active. And accordingly, these mice are much more susceptible to chemicals that cause cancer, and they are not protected by phase two inducers. These experiments provide very strong evidence for a major role of phase two enzymes in controlling the risk for cancer. Another example of the potential detoxification benefits of cruciferous vegetables is the study that illustrated that broccoli and Brussels sprouts could increase the metabolism and elimination of some harmful compounds that are produced when meat, for example, is cooked over high heat. And these harmful compounds are called heterocyclic aromatic amines. And broccoli and Brussels sprouts were able to induce the detoxification enzymes such as cytochrome P450 and the phase two enzymes involved in removing these heterocyclic amines. So the glucosinolates in cruciferous vegetables appear to have a beneficial effect on preventing or you know, removing the harmful compounds that we may be exposed to by phase two enzyme induction. But do the glucosinolates in cruciferous vegetables have a beneficial effect on preventing or treating cancer? Well, consuming the isothiocyanate sulforaphane or its glucosinolate precursor, glucoraphanin, it can inhibit cancer growth in a few studies with rats. And in a clinical pilot study, eight healthy women were given a single dose of a broccoli sprout preparation containing around 200 millimoles of sulforaphane. And they had shown that the sulforaphane metabolites were readily measurable in the human breast tissue enriched for epithelial cells. So this gave insight that these compounds do indeed travel to cells in the body where they may exert beneficial effects. High intakes of cruciferous vegetables has been associated with a lower risk of lung and colorectal cancer in some epidemiological studies. For example, Wu in 2011 conducted a meta-analysis you know, that gold standard study that combines many trials to finally have one final answer if something is beneficial or not. And Wu combined 24 case control studies and 11 prospective studies and concluded that eating cruciferous vegetables was associated with an 18% lower risk of colorectal cancer. Chan in 2005 observed a 61% lower risk for pancreatic cancer when comparing those eating the highest amount of cruciferous vegetables to those eating the lowest amount in the San Francisco area. Han in 2014 combined the results of 11 studies and concluded that eating cruciferous vegetables was associated with a 16% lower risk of ovarian cancer. Now, sulforaphane can alter the metabolism or activity of sex hormones in a way that could inhibit the development of hormone-sensitive cancers, such as ovarian cancer. But evidence of a protective effect of cruciferous vegetables and breast or prostate cancer in humans is limited and unfortunately inconsistent. For example, 
Alumkol in, and their colleagues in 2014 investigated if broccoli sprout extract, which is rich in sulforaphane, could reduce the levels of prostate-specific antigen. And that's a blood test that can indicate the risk of prostate cancer in men. And so they studied to see if this broccoli sprout powder could reduce prostate-specific antigen levels in men living with recurrent prostate cancer. After 20 weeks of consuming 200 micromoles of sulforaphane daily, eight men exhibited reduced levels of prostate-specific antigen, but the remaining 12 men either had no change or an increase in prostate-specific antigen levels. So the scientists concluded that it doesn't appear to have a beneficial effect, and it could be for many reasons. Perhaps their dose was not large enough. Perhaps the sulforaphane degraded and their storage conditions were not ideal. Perhaps it could have been better delivered in the in total food form, eating cruciferous vegetables as opposed to broccoli sprout powder with sulforaphane. Or perhaps sulforaphane is better as a proactive preventative intervention as opposed to treating a cancer that is already present. But hopefully more clinical research is being conducted to determine if diet sources rich in glucoraphanin or sulforaphane can impact cancer recurrence and cancer progression. So if that data comes out, you can bet that I will update you. In 2002, Lamp and Peterson reviewed that our genetics may influence the effect of cruciferous vegetables on our health. I found this really interesting because, for example, some of us have high activity and some of us have low activity of the phase two detoxification enzymes, such as the enzyme glutathione S-transferase. These enzymes are involved in the metabolism of environmental carcinogens and reactive oxygen species, so harmful compounds. Thus, you know, until recently, the primary hypothesis has been that individuals with a genetic allele for lower activity of phase two enzymes are at a higher risk for cancer because of their reduced ability to dispose of these activated cancer-causing molecules. Now, numerous epidemiological studies have focused on the interactions between li people living with these genetic alleles and their carcinogen exposure. Now, scientists are hypothesizing that because the compounds in cruciferous vegetables are metabolized by these same phase two enzymes, then those that are living with the genetic allele to have low activity of phase two enzymes will have a longer circulating half-life of the glucosinolates and potentially have higher chemoprotective effects of the cruciferous vegetables. So right now we know that the relationship between cruciferous vegetable intake and cancer risk are influenced by genetic polymorphisms in the phase two enzymes, as well as possibly, you know, in the receptors, the transcription factors that also interact with these molecules. So in conclusion of this part here, it appears that cruciferous vegetables are more likely to have benefit in people that are genetically predisposed to be at a higher risk for cancer because those individuals may eliminate cancer-causing or carcinogens less efficiently. Likewise, they will eliminate the beneficial components of cruciferous vegetables less quickly as well. And this could be a potential reason why we see some variability in clinical research too. But besides cancer prevention or treatment, are there other health benefits to cruciferous vegetables? Well, yes, there are. And these vegetables and their components have been investigated for their impact on oxidative stress and inflammation, particularly in individuals living with type 2 diabetes, because unfortunately, individuals with diabetes tend to have higher levels of oxidative damage and inflammation. 
And as a result, are unfortunately at a higher risk for heart disease and kidney disease because of this. But can cruciferous vegetables help? Well, Baha Dorin in 2011 conducted a randomized double-blinded controlled study, so very well-designed study, that included 81 patients with type 2 diabetes. The patients were assigned to one of three treatment groups for four weeks. The groups either received 10 grams per day of broccoli sprout powder, 5 grams per day of the broccoli sprouts powder, or placebo. Now, fasting blood glucose levels dropped by 33% in those who consumed 10 grams per day, and their fasting blood glucose dropped by 8% in those consuming 5 grams per day. So it appears that the 10 grams per day dose really was far more effective, whereas the placebo group saw a decrease in their blood glucose levels by 3% after four weeks. The scientists also observed an improvement in levels of oxidative stress in the patients consuming 10 grams of broccoli sprouts powder per day. For example, their levels of oxidized LDL, which is that particularly bad type of cholesterol that forms the atherosclerotic plaques or clogged arteries, that decreased by 8% in the 10 grams of broccoli sprout powder per day group. The 5 grams per day saw a decrease of 6%, and the placebo group saw no change in oxidized LDL. Markers of oxidative stress fell by 15% and 11% in the 10 gram or 5 gram broccoli sprout powder groups per day respectively whereas the placebo group saw actually an increase in their oxidative stress by 5%. In another paper, the same group of scientists concluded that the broccoli sprout powder in both the 5-gram and 10-gram per day dose was able to improve insulin sensitivity by 30% in those with type 2 diabetes. So it appears that after only one month of consuming broccoli sprouts powder every day, that considerable benefits on blood glucose and oxidative stress were noted in those living with type 2 diabetes. From the same lab, they published in a separate paper that the same intervention of either 5 grams or 10 grams of broccoli sprout powder in patients with type 2 diabetes had some beneficial effects on markers of inflammation. After four weeks in the broccoli sprout powder treatment groups, there was a significant decrease in serum C-reactive protein concentration. On average, 20% in the 10 gram per day group, and on average, it dropped by 16% in the 5 gram per day group. They also saw a decrease, although it was not significant, in other pro-inflammatory molecules such as interleukin-6 and TNF-alpha concentrations. Riedel in 2009 investigated the potential benefit of sulforaphane for antioxidant capacity in the upper airways of humans. Now, in individuals that live with asthma or allergic rhinitis, they have a lot of inflammation in their upper airways and potentially could benefit from something that induces those detoxification phase two enzymes. So in this study, 65 participants were asked to eat varying amounts of homogenized or blended broccoli sprouts, ranging from 25 grams to 200 grams per day. At 25 grams per day, the scientists did not see much of a change of the phase two enzymes in the upper airway of the participants. At 100 grams per day, they noted about a 6 to 15% increase in phase 2 enzymes. At 125 grams per day, they noted approximately a 30 to 53% increase in the phase 2 enzymes. And this continued to increase at the dose of broccoli sprout powder consumption up to the maximum of 200 grams per day. So it appears that we really start to see benefits in the phase 2 enzymes of the upper airway starting at about 100 grams per day. 
Now, are there any safety risks? Well, in all of the clinical studies, they do note that the participants tolerated the broccoli sprouts powder or the cruciferous vegetables quite well without any significant adverse effects. But Shapiro in 2009 sought out to investigate simply that, just the safety and tolerance in 12 healthy volunteers. Now, broccoli sprouts that contained high amounts of glucosinolates of or sulforaphane did not appear to have any negative effect on blood tests or their patient well-being. One thing to consider, though, about cruciferous vegetables is the impact or the potential impact on thyroid levels. Now, in this study by Shapiro in 2009, two individuals in the sulforaphane or broccoli sprouts group had an increase in their thyroid-stimulating hormone levels, as did one person in the placebo group. But the scientists noted that these changes were not of concern, as they also saw the same thing in in the placebo group, and their thyroid-stimulating hormone levels went back to normal after the participants stopped the intervention. Felker in 2016 identified that some cruciferous vegetables such as collards, Brussels sprouts, and some Russian kale contains a molecule called goitrin that can potentially decrease iodine uptake by the thyroid and therefore may impact thyroid function. However, other cruciferous vegetables such as broccoli and kale contain very small amounts of goitrin and are considered to have minimal risk on thyroid function. So if you are someone that struggles with normal thyroid levels, perhaps do speak to your dietitian or physician before adding large amounts of cruciferous vegetables or broccoli sprout powder or whatnot to your diet. So that is a wrap this week on the People Scientist podcast. In brief summary, cruciferous vegetables such as broccoli, broccoli sprouts, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, kale, and radishes contain high amounts of glucosinolates that can be converted into the isothiocyanates, particularly the very interesting molecule sulforaphane. In particular, broccoli seeds and broccoli sprouts appear to be the richest source of sulforaphane, and this molecule is the most clinically investigated. Sulforaphane in cell culture, animal studies, and clinical studies appears to induce phase 2 detoxification enzymes which appears to be very important in our body's natural detoxification process in order to reduce our exposure to harmful and potentially cancer-causing chemicals. Intake of cruciferous vegetables is associated with a lower risk of some cancers, but the one intervention study had mixed results on whether or not it would be a benefit. That could possibly be because our genetics play a role in how cruciferous vegetables may impact our health and how quickly we metabolize the compounds. I would say that a good amount of evidence shows that eating cruciferous vegetables, or in particular broccoli sprouts, which are particularly high in glucosinolates, do appear to have antioxidant effects and can reduce markers of inflammation and oxidative stress in humans. The amount needed to see benefit ranged from 10 grams to 200 grams per day of broccoli sprouts. Because broccoli sprouts may be hard to come by in stores, cruciferous vegetables are a great option. Studies show that raw broccoli that was blended or chewed well seemed to have great bioavailability of the potentially healthful component sulforaphane. So I hope you found this episode interesting. If you have any questions, hit me up on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. My handles are in the description box below. If you type in Dr. Stephanie Calajuri in your search engine, you'll find a way to connect with me. So until next week, I hope you all have a super healthy week. Now we'll meet you back here the same time and the same place on the People Scientist Podcast.
I am a scientist simply sharing scientific evidence. Some of the clinical interventions I discuss are not appropriate for everyone. Before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle, please do consult the advice of your physician or dietitian. My opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect those of Mount Sinai Hospital and its affiliates.